You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Terry Riley, which is titled, Best for Our Community, which is from our sermon series, Vision 2020. For more info, please visit creekside.org. Second Corinthians 11.3 says this, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. I love that scripture. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church that had a lot of things going on, and he basically said, you know what, I'm really concerned about you that you would lose sight of just the simplicity and purity of following and being devoted to Jesus Christ. I want to uh, kind of do this thing on to, to, to simplify. Uh, probably one of the most well-known eateries in California is the In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> right? I was in a golf tournament this last Monday, and uh, it was a fundraiser, so whenever I go, I always put You know, I buy raffle tickets and put it in, so I won. Guess what I won? I saw this, yeah, this shirt. You go, well, what's that shirt? Well, if you see the insignia, it's an In-N-Out Burger uh, logo. And so I won this, and what I really like is uh, when I got it, I was actually going for the $50 In-N-Out Burger gift card. And I didn't realize that this in a hat was part of it. And so, well, this might be a sign to go look for a job there. I don't know. And, uh, but when I got it, I go, what in the world am I going to do with this? And then I started thinking about some of the distinctives of In-N-Out Burger. I mean, how many of you just are hungry now that I'm talking about it? And you say, you know what? I think I'm going to make my way down there because it's so good. How many of you have family or friends? They come from out of state. And one of the things they say, before we leave, we're going to go to... In-N-Out Burger. I mean, it's, it's that big. Uh, some of you may know that it was started by a Christian. And what they would do is, started down in Southern California, they would actually put scriptures, and I believe they still do, scriptures on their cups. And the wrapper. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Nobody complains about that. But I guess when something's so good, it doesn't really matter what the religious orientation is. But so they do that. You know what their goal was? Their goal was very simple. We want to have the best burger around. So they said, we're going to have this, we're going to move and we're going to do everything with simplicity. So they decided to have the best burger around. They're going to focus on that. So when you walk in there and you walk in and you know what it's like to walk in there, there's almost always lines. I've never driven by there on Contra Costa where there haven't literally been lines throughout the parking lot. So I always go in and then I still have to wait in line. But when you go in there, you see this menu, double cheeseburger, cheeseburger, hamburger, french fries, soft drink, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, milkshake. Period. Done. I've memorized the menu. Now, some of you, I mean, it's not that hard, is it? It's simple. Oh, for those of you who like Adkins and keto, they now have this thing called an animal burger, which I really like as well. And uh, so they've added that, but it's not even on the menu. You have to ask for it specifically. And I believe, uh, I, I bring this up because it's pretty important to the scriptures, isn't it? Well, not really. 
But I want you to, I, I, I'm wearing this shirt to remind you, and I'm, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep this hat now, because I want to remind of the simplicity of what they do. See, it's so easy to get bogged down with a bunch of different things. I mean, if you look at TV and you watch commercials, what do you see there? Ah, oh, guess what's coming out? We're going to have McRibs. And then you've got these McRibs. Then you've got, you know, McSausage muffins. And uh, they serve pancakes. And then you go, to, you, you go to Carl's Jr. Now they're serving tacos. I mean, everybody's going to be serving tacos and, and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you get up there and they go, hey, can I help you? Can I help you? I go, just a minute. I got to get through the menu. And then you go to Taco Bell. Guess what they're serving now? They're serving breakfast. I mean, all of these places, they're doing so much. You can go there for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. I think you can rent a room there now and just spend the night. And, and, and all of this competition. But what does in and out do? They say, we're going to give you three or four simple things. And that's going to be our focus. And part of where we're going, loved ones, as a church, is we want to get refocused, re-envisioned with what God is calling us to do. Because it's the idea of the simplicity that as Paul talks to the church at Corinth, what he's really saying is, you know what I don't want you to do? I don't want you to deviate from your calling as a church. I don't want you to deviate and get sidetracked in your life because you're trying to do too many things and go too many places. I just want to call you back to the simplicity and the purity of who Jesus is and what he has for you. And see, churches, we can get so busy. We can get so bogged down. We can go so many places that we lose our place. And we lose the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And where all these weeks have come from and where I, I am is I just, I got this word from the Lord. And I tell you how that the, the greatest thing I think that can happen to any of us is we learn to hear and be able to navigate and sense and know that you're hearing from God. First of the year, I'm going to do a series that kind of comes from this time. I'm going to do it out of the book of Revelation. I'm not sure how far we're going to go, but we're going to spend some time in that book. But as I was one morning, I was reading, doing the Bible reading plan, and we were going through Revelation I come across this passage in chapter 3. This word that I got is, it, it was really a challenge to me personally and to us corporately. And, and the truth is, when I heard it, I, I really, I didn't catch the gravity and the understanding fully of what God was saying. And then, over time, as it began to unfold to me, I really didn't want to deal with it because I knew that it would probably be difficult for our church possibly to make some shifts. Church is that way, you know. Uh, most in churches, we, we look at the outward signs. We look at, if we're leading a ministry, look at our ministry, our ministry sphere in what's happening in that ministry, and we don't necessarily see how it fits and plays out in the schematic and mission of the whole church. Now, you understand what I'm saying? Whatever's us, we begin to take, we own it. We don't take ownership over it. We take it ownership over it initially, uh, but then we begin to own it. This is mine. 
Don't mess with it. Remember what I said last week? This church isn't yours. This church isn't mine. I'm called to steward it. I'm called to lead it. But it's not mine. It's Jesus's. And sometimes people can forget that when they've been in a ministry. And Jesus is writing the churches in, in, in Revelations 2 and 3, and he's reminding them, this is my church. And I want you to go by my marching orders. And so he's kind of talking to the pastors of those churches. So in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, we come to the church of Sardis. And I'm not going to unpack this much. I'm going to wait until the uh, first of the year. But I want you to get some of the things, just a couple of deposited things that God gave me as I read through this. It's written to the people in real time, in real situations, and real circumstances. Revelation 3, chapter 1, the second part of the verse says this. God, Jesus is speaking through John, the revelator, the disciple that he was closest to, the one that he loves. He trusts him with this revelation, and he begins to speak these words to this church. It would have gone out in a letter to them, and they would have heard this. And Jesus says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And then he goes on to speak about things in the church. Now, words that struck me that morning were, number one, I know the things that you do. I highlighted that. The other word that struck me was reputation. So the two points that really kind of were seared into my mind and my soul for me personally and for our church was I know the things you do and your reputation. And then a little bit later it said, wake up. I love that. Because see, we know this we serve this God. We know Jesus who knows everything. He says, I know the good that you do. Don't you love that? Ah, but there's another side to that, isn't there? I, I know the not so good that you do. Nothing escapes his purview. He sees it all. And who is the church? The church is people. It's you and me. So when he's writing to Sardis, it's not the building, it's, it's the people that he says, man, I know the good you do. But you've got a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. What is a reputation? Well, it's the front man. It's that thing that uh, oftentimes will go before us or follow behind us. It's the outward. It's what people see of us. It's what people hear about us from others. We gain a reputation. Most of us in this room have a reputation at different levels. Some of us with our family. If I said to you, hey, tell me about Bob. Well, you know Bob. He's this and he's that. And that, that would be his reputation. So all of us have that. If, if you're a student in high school or junior high, and we went to that school, and I said, tell me about Bradley, they would be able to say, well, Bradley, and they would say whatever, and that would be his reputation. It's our front man or the thing that follows behind us. And here's the downside of reputation. It comes from people. It's 
See, God knows our reality. And you know what he's saying to the church at Sardis? I haven't seen this show. I've seen commercials of it, but you've all heard of The Walking Dead. Trina won't watch me. Won't let me watch scary shows like that. Unless I wake her up with nightmares or something. But that show, The Walking Dead, you see these zombie type people. They're walking around. They're animated. They're moving. They're doing things. Uh, But the premise of the show is, is they are dead on the inside. And, And that's what Jesus is communicating to this church called Sardis. Now hear me. Look, look at me real quick. I'm not saying we're dead. We're far from it. Okay, so that that didn't strike me. But what struck me was, is that's where everybody goes. Everybody dies and everything has a shelf life. I was reading recently about churches. If you did a historical study of churches, they oftentimes go in about a 25 to 30 year cycle. They'll rise up and then they'll begin to go down. Rise up, they'll begin to go down. Some churches rise up and they're able to go down and then continue on and keep going. Others, they die. The seven churches of Revelation, not one of those churches is around today. And I think about Creekside, where are we going? What are we going to do? Where are we going to be? I I don't want to be a social media church with a reputation. When I say social media church, you know, uh, how how many of you take selfies? Oh, come on, you can admit it. 90% of us probably, 80%, whatever. But when you take a selfish, you you know how people take selfies, don't you? (laughs) What, what? Selfish? Well, that's what it is. Freudian slip, <laughs> or I just can't pronunciate, uh, or enunciate. <laughs> hey, second service, okay, come on, cut me some slack. <laughs> but selfies, what do we do? You know, they are just kind of like, click. It's like, hey, I want a selfie. Let's set this thing up. <laughs> okay, so it's not real. Because you fixed yourself. I mean, some of you take 10 minutes. I'm going to take a selfie, but oh, makeup. Hmm. Fix my hair. Hmm. Selfie. They're going to love that picture. And we post it. How many of us do this? How many of you have ever done this? Oh, PT, man, he talked about having a devotional time. So this is what I'm going to do, man. For a few days, you have your devotional time. And one morning, you go, wow, there's my coffee. Smoke coming out of it. Open your journal. It's got the date on it. You got your Bible open. Oh, wow, let me make a few underlines here. And you got a few underlines, and then you're sitting there with your hand on your coffee going, (laughs) click. (laughs) Now, here's the point. How many of you do this? It's Wednesday morning. I just got out of bed. I'm running late. I didn't have my devotional time. I think I'm going to go down and sit by that same table and take a selfie, all messed up, click, and I'm going to post, here's the day I didn't do my devotions. You ever do that? No. We don't see reality on here. Some of you, you got kids. I've got a grandson, but you know how this is. You want to take a great picture. You want to post it. The family's having so much fun, except one of those kids. 
and they won't smile. They just want to cry. They want to throw a fit. And so what do you do? You wait until everything's perfect, until it looks like Beaver Cleaver, post it. <laughs> See, a lot, of, a lot of that social media is about projecting an image for a reputation. The text here says that people, a church can build a reputation, yet no longer have God's life and spirit producing life or transformation in them. Now here's the scary part. When this happens to a business, when it happens to an organization, when it happens to a church, when it happens to a marriage, when it happens to you individually, it's been going on for too long and you don't even recognize it and know it until you've reached what you believe to be the point of no return. Remember Samson? It says God's spirit comes upon him. He takes a Nazarite vow, and he, he, in, in that vow, there's three or four things that he was supposed to do, couldn't do, and he lives it out, and then all of a sudden, he starts to compromise, and before you know it, he lost his strength. He lost his standing, and it says the spirit departed from him. The same thing happened with King Saul in the Old Testament. Israel's first king, God chosen, and he began to make decisions, and pretty soon, the spirit departed from him and he becomes a wreck it's gradual it's subtle but revelation tells us Jesus knows what's happening Churches are doing good things. Sardis had a, a good reputation. But I believe part of the work of the enemy, loved ones, in church is I'm convinced that if he can't tempt us into major sin and failure, he'll distract us with the business of business or the business of busyness. And here's the deal. Never forget this. Activity is not advancement. Just because you're doing a lot, because a lot, of, because a lot of things are happening does not mean that you're advancing. That's true in business. Oh, that's true in marriage. It's true in raising your kids. It's true in every sphere of life. Now, some of you probably remember we were doing some surveys over the last probably six, seven months. Some of you wonderfully, graciously filled them out, and we appreciate that. There is a purpose behind that. Because we're going through this time as I'm trying to hear the voice for where is Creekside going? What's our next season of ministry? Because we're not dead, but we got to make some changes. I sense the Lord saying there's, there's things coming, there's shifts. And as I read this verse and mulled over it and unsure of what God was saying, I began to look at our big events that take a lot of time. I begin to look at all of our ministries that take time. I begin to look at our activities that take time. And I begin to see where there was no fruit coming from them. According to the survey, only literally a handful of people or maybe two handfuls of people that we know of actually ever came to Creekside or were here now or received Jesus because their first contact was those events. 
And yet we would spend sometimes a good portion of money to have them. We would put a lot of horsepower and energy and time into them. Now hear me. Because I've always believed, and I still believe, but we're reconfiguring. I believe in the truth that freely you have received. Freely you have received. The rest of you, if you don't know it by the third time, we'll do it again. Freely you have received. Okay, that's what Jesus says to us. Freely you've received, freely give. But there's also a point where you've got to go, what strategy is working? What is happening here? Because Creekside, you have done an incredible job. We would provide the place. We would provide the goods, the food, the jumpies, whatever it is. We would serve. People grew in their leadership because of these events. Outwardly, very few, most of us would look at it and go, wow, look at that. We had 3,000 people to this event or 2,000 to that event. And we'd celebrate and we'd say, great job. And they were. And people worked hard. They would grow each year and get bigger. They would get better. But but here's the problem. They weren't fulfilling our mission. They weren't reaching the far from God. And they weren't building the people of God that come to him up. Except in generally learning to be better leaders, learning to serve, which were all good things. Here's what another thing the Lord said to me is you become an event church. People love to come to Creekside's events because they always knew they'd be good, they'd be free, they'd be safe, they'd be fun, and everybody could come and enjoy them. But it was after this word, I know what you're doing, we begin to seeing these trends and evaluating what is coming forth from them. In the 2000s, especially the latter, the mid to latter part, these events were good. They did well. They brought people to our church. But here's the thing. If you aren't reading the culture, if you aren't hearing God's voice, you begin to say, it's working, it's working, we're not going to change it. And pretty soon you work yourself to death while everything else is dying. And then we begin to add a couple of things here and there. And pretty soon our church calendar was crowded. It was a few months ago that we had this opportunity to do this fairly significant uh, celebration of life. We literally spent 35 minutes in a staff meeting trying to figure out where we could place it to do it for this family. Well, if we do it here, oh, no, we can't do it. Oh, no. At 35 minutes to find out, and finally we came up with two obscure dates that we thought, oh, they probably won't even take these. Oh, they took one of them. Why? I'm not saying that this is why they did it, but you know what? You know why we get all these things? Because freely we receive, freely we give. We don't charge, charge people for anything. We just say, you know what? This is our gift to our community. But the problem is we were doing so many events and activities, good things, that if Jesus would have come to our staff meeting and said, I want you to change this up and I want you to do this, we'd say, sorry, Lord, I can't do it. 
We don't have any room. I can't press our people anymore. Our staff is, you know, doing all of these other things. And let me just tell you, we weren't doing bad things. We were doing good things. We were doing good things to try and to reach our community and get them here to events. But so often, good becomes the enemy of great. Because you begin to see things and they look like they're working and from the, out, from, and from the outside, they have great crowds. Pretty soon, all we're doing is getting people from other churches or people that just want something that's kind of free and fun and safe. And they come. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying at some point, you've got to evaluate and say, God, is this what you're calling us to do? Is to be an event church? No. That's not our mission. What's our mission? It's to love God. It's to love people. It's to serve our community. It's to raise up the generations. It's to, it's to reach out to those far from God and to begin to disciple and build up those who are found. So what did we do? We begin to see that all these good things are doing were probably potentially keeping us from maybe some great things that God wants us to do. And I sense the Lord saying, all of those things had a shelf life. And he took me to John 15 and he said, here's what I want. I want fruit. I want much fruit. He says it three times. I want great fruit. Because see, if, if, if there's not some kind of gospel fruit coming out of what we do, what's taking place? You know what we're doing? We're just becoming another club that does a lot of good things. And then pretty soon that good can become the enemy of great because we become deceived from being able to see that maybe Jesus has something else for us. But because maybe we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to change that ministry. We don't want to change that activity. We don't want to change that event because somebody will get upset. Well, we can't operate that way. See, in every church, it's so easy to see things as good due to crowds or people like it. That's the death knell of any church. That you keep doing something to keep somebody happy. You keep doing something because somebody doesn't want to stop. Because it's their thing. But if it's not producing what the mission and ministry of the church is, it's Jesus' church, and he's already told us what he wants. You know what he wants? He wants us to love him. He wants us to reach those far from him, and he wants us to build up those who are found. If we do nothing else, that's the mission of the church. Everything else we do is simply methods to try and fulfill those things. And there's nothing wrong with methods as long as those methods are producing part of what God's called us to do. Now hear me. I understand this fully. It's important to have a good reputation with others. And I want you to know we do, you do in our community. I'll tell you next week about some of the things that our reputation affords us in terms of our community. But you have a good reputation. I mean, yeah, there's been some Facebook stuff and there's been some rants and raves over things that people said happened that really didn't. Or if they did, the context was so skewed. But overall, Creekside 
has a very strong reputation. I was writing on that morning in my journal, and this is what I said. I said, I never want to get to the point where I or we, Creekside, live off the front man of our reputation and the thoughts that people have about us and ultimately overshadows the reality of what Jesus sees. Because it's really easy to do that, and I think that we've done that. Not your fault. It's not your thing. I've kind of allowed it. Truth is, for a while, I really didn't even notice it and see it. But someone said it so well. Never allow the applause of man to drown out the voice of God. Because it's so easy when everybody is saying, you're this, you're that, you're good, you're wonderful. We love that you do this. We can't wait to come again. Are you going to do it next year? Hello, are you doing it this year? Pretty soon, the applause of man and the affirmation of people can begin to drown out God's voice that says, you know, you're doing some good things, but, but, I want to have God's word. I want him to be shaping us. And I'm challenging and we're challenging ourselves as a staff with establishing ministry that reaches those far from God and builds the found because that's the essence, loved ones, of our calling. How we do that, this side of sin after that, is we got to ask God, what is it you want for Creekside to do and to become? The Lord embedded, and I'm almost done. I'm going to put a comma here. But the Lord embedded a few principles in my heart that morning. After he gave me that statement, then he gave me kind of three principles for, that are important for us to remember, for me to remember, and ultimately us. First one was don't let your outward reputation outsize your inward life. Reputation is easy to rest on instead of focusing on and allowing God to keep building your inner person. You can become so busy. That's what what Jesus speaks to the church of Ephesus. You're doing great things too, but you're so busy. You have forgotten your first love. But because everybody is impressed with what you do, God says, I want to keep building in you. And I just said this statement. It is seen, this happens when we focus on our reputation where we're more concerned with pleasing man than pleasing God. You you know this. It's it's hard not to be man pleasers. Now when I say this, I didn't have to write this down because I've known this and believed this for years. But here's what I'd say because some of you say, amen brother, we're not going to be man pleasers, we're going to be God pleasers. That does not mean that we go out and act stupid. That doesn't mean that we go out and we're mean and say whatever we want. That's the problem with the church today, or part of the problem is we got all these knuckleheads out there that are out there saying things like, turn or burn. People need to hear that, but they need to hear it with the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and the warning. They don't need to have a church that goes out and goes into the city and holds up signs that are as repulsive as the things that other people do. Because that's not how Jesus did it. We 
we're going to please God more than pleasing man, but we're never going to forget to be pleasing to the people around us. Because if you're not winsome, if you can't talk to people without arguing them or telling them they're wrong, you will never win them. Second thing I said was stay focused on developing character over cosmetics. How I do ministry is important. The methods, but if the methods become more consuming than developing the character of Christ, it will no longer produce life, but will become lifeless, become a lifeless ministry machine where people will get chewed up in the midst of ministry feeling good about what we're doing, but ultimately burning out because of what we've done. Third thing I said was don't allow the work of ministry to, ex- to eclipse personal worship. The church at Sardis had been faithful. It was a loving servant of the Christ. It was part of the city's conscious at that time but it also simply become a church with a nice reputation of being alive. But when actuality, it was dying because it wasn't connected to the source, Jesus. Now, now some of you say, I hope this doesn't sound harsh because I see it as just simply Jesus loving us. I see it as saying, thanks, Lord, that we can hear your your sense of what you want us to do. That you're not going to let us die. That's what I love about this. So why do I set the table with this? Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about just the intro about a theology for our city. So you understand. Because see, churches a lot of times, some of you have been in churches like this, all of a sudden they'll make these drastic shifts. And you go, well, I guess we're not doing that anymore. And you know, a lot of, we, we've done that too, because I don't have time to stand up here for 20 minutes and explain to you why we're not doing this, or why we're doing this, or why we're not doing this, or why we're going to start this. So I sat on this thing, because of some of these shifts, I'm going to take some time, because it's really part of our future vision for where we're going and what we're becoming. And for some of you, it'll be a shift. And that's why I'm setting the table. I'm giving you really what I believe to be a word from the Lord as well as some theology behind it. That's why I did the series Renew, Refresh, because I wanted that to remind every one one of us of the importance of taking care of our soul, of taking care of our spirit, of taking care of our bodies, and keep them renewed before Jesus, because if you don't, you will die, you'll burn out in the machinery, and pretty soon our church will lose its life if we're just doing and doing like a gerbil on a wheel that's just going around to try and please whatever, but nothing is changing or happening because of it. And then as you see some things pruned, you'll begin to understand, oh, I don't really know why, but there's a reason behind it. Because we don't just stop things. We don't just change things. We don't just lop things off or whatever words you want to use without a reason and a purpose. But God is shifting us, loved ones. And as you see some things get pruned, things that are really good things, we're going to move from just programs and events 
Although there will still be some events, there will still be some programs, but they're going to be abbreviated in some ways, or they're going to be a little bit reorged, and some of them already have. But you'll understand that we are refocusing and shifting on ways to reach and give life to our community. And we can help people grow and touch people for Jesus Christ, that we are not going to come to make good people alive. We're going to try and give, we're going to work to give them Jesus so we can make dead people alive. And then those dead people that have been risen up to new life, here's what our goal is, is we want to see them grow in Jesus because they get connected first and foremost to Jesus and this church because they see us following, loving Jesus and doing good things. And we're not hiding our light, but we're putting our light on a hill and showing who Jesus is and bringing glory to him. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense to you? How many love Jesus? I mean, really, yeah, how many love Jesus? How many believe that we can get back to making a difference in our community? Raise your hand. Do you believe that? Okay, here's, here's what Paul said. He said, and, and this is a man who made big difference. He went to the, to the, through the community. He said, listen, church at Ephesus, God can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that you could think, dream, or imagine because of the power of God that works in you and through you. How many are a candidate for that? Okay. You're awfully weak. Come on, can we just say, Jesus, I'm a candidate. Let's go, huh? Because if you don't love God and you're not growing in your love for people, the things that we're going to talk about next week It's going to be pretty tough. But here's what I know about Creekside. You know what Creekside is? You are a bunch of, you have incredible followership. You, you, when you trust and know something, you do it. And that's what is one of the great earmarks of this church. So let's put a comma there. And would you pray for next week? Okay. Let's stand. Here's our final prayer today. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about a program. Church is important. Family's important, but it's all about you, Jesus. Would you just say that with me on three? It's all about you, Jesus. One, two, three. It's all about you, Jesus. Now, could we just with the crescendo say amen? Amen. You're loved. Have a great day. God bless you. See you next week.